0: How many believe he is awesome? Awesome is one of those words where uh, it's kind of hard to know exactly what it means. We just know it when we see it. We know it when we feel it. We know it when it's around us. And I feel the awesome presence of the Lord tonight. I feel the awesome presence of the Lord tonight. He is awesome. Praise God. Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 and verse number one, and we'll read the first five verses together. Um, the Lord's been dealing with me about this thought for quite some time, and as it is with all sermons that I preach, they kind of simmer in my spirit for a while. Until the Lord releases me to preach it. And uh, I feel like the time is right. I feel like I'm in the Holy Ghost tonight. And uh, we're coming in on, on a prophetic uh, portion of Scripture where we're familiar with it because it's the prophet Isaiah speaking of the future coming Of the Lord Jesus Christ and so he's speaking of that which has not yet happened but which is going to happen and now we are living on the other side and we see the prophecy and we also see the fulfillment of the prophecy which is a wonderful thing about being a part of the church today is we can go and see the prophecy the fulfillment of the prophecy at the same time. And Isaiah said this Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him, and was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs, and carried our sorrows. Yet did we esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Amen. With His stripes, we are healed. I'd like to preach tonight what might be an unusual thought. The private passion before the passion. And I'll explain what I mean by that in a moment. The private passion Before the passion. Would you put your Bibles down and lift up your hands and ask the Lord to be with us for these few remaining moments, shall we? God, in your name, the only saving name, the only powerful name, the name of Jesus, the name that you have highly exalted, O God. Lord, in that name, we come to you tonight, the name of Jesus, asking, Lord, that there would be a healing virtue that would flow not just into our physical bodies, Lord, into our outward infirmities, but, Lord, into the inward parts, the inward pains, the inward infirmities, God. I pray that you would meet us where we are. I pray that we would be encouraged by your passion. And, Lord, I give you praise and I give you glory. I honor you. Without any drumbeat, could you clap your hands to the Lord and just worship him for a moment? Don't make me beg you. Just give him praise. Ita sata la morosa Hallelujah. 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 In the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. We often refer to it this time of year with Easter approaching, we begin to speak of the Passion Week. And when we speak of the Passion Week, which comes from the Latin word that uh, means suffering or enduring or to endure suffering, we are speaking of that week-long period where Jesus began by entering triumphantly into Jerusalem and received adoration and praise. And then, as we all know, it ended with him dying on a cross, crying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And in that in-between period, there was great suffering that Jesus endured for you and I. He bore stripes on his back, and I could spend a lot of time preaching to you about the horrific pain that he endured physically in his body, on his body, the crown of thorns that they crushed on his head, the scourging that he took, and all of that the carrying of the cross, the driving of the nails, the the spear thrust into his side all of this is is well documented, and of course we'll Be preaching and sermonizing about all of those things over the next few weeks and as we dwell on the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And this is powerful and it's profound and I am thankful that Jesus was willing to go to the cross for me and for you. And I hope that you will stop and reflect this Easter season and remember that Jesus died for you He didn't just die for somebody else or or for that sinner down the road that you think of as extra bad and extra in need of the blood of Jesus. My friend, you needed the blood of Jesus just as bad as the vilest sinner in this world. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And Jesus was willing. He did this willingly for you and for I. He bore all of this pain, all of this in His own body. And we think of these physical things that he endured. And of course, as Christians, we know that we must endeavor to be like Jesus. How many want to be like the Lord tonight? Now, when we say things like I want to be like Jesus and we sing to be like Jesus, to be like Jesus all through life's journey to be like him. And we think of all of those things. But in reality, if it comes close to the Passion Week, we'd really rather skip that part of being like Jesus. You know, a lot of times when we think of being like Jesus, we think of feeding the 5,000. And we think of the teaching and the throngs of people that ran to him for healing and to hear his words of wisdom. And we think of all the mighty acts that took place in this world. And and, uh, all of that is exciting and the followers and and, uh, that life that was magnificent. But when you get to the last seven days of his life, and certainly... Those were not the only days of suffering that Jesus endured. In fact, we see from Scripture that Jesus spent his entire life being despised and rejected of men. So much so that when Jesus returned to his own hometown, his own hometown didn't want to have much to do with him. Because he was just the strange boy that was supposedly born of a virgin who did strange things and said strange things in the temple. And so... People in his own hometown despised him. This was the life of Jesus, but certainly the last seven days of his life were filled with suffering and agony that really it's very difficult for us to comprehend. And in our darkest moments of life and without trying to be too personal and without trying to bring everyone to a place of being depressed, I would like to tell you that we all have moments where we are discouraged where we are weary in well-doing, when we wonder how we are going to pick up our cross one more time and make it another day. There are times when we're just not sure how we are going to endure another hour of this world because this world just keeps throwing things at us over and over again. We are enduring suffering just like Jesus. And in my times of life where I have been suffering and at my lowest moments I've cried out to God on many occasions and I've said Lord it doesn't seem fair that I would be going through something like this why would this happen to me having a pity party so to speak and don't judge me too harshly because you know that you had a pity party or two yourself And in those moments, recently even, the Lord spoke to me in prayer while I was just complaining to God. And God said to me, why would the servant have it better than the master? Why would you expect that you would go through life without being despised and rejected of men? Why would you think that you would go through life without enduring the passion, the affliction, the endurance of what it takes to be like me? But no. Ryan, you need to understand that when you go through passion, when you go through pain, when you go through trials, uh, that is your moment where you know uh, that a resurrection is right. around the corner because you cannot get to a resurrection story if you are not willing to go through a passion week you're gonna have to go through some suffering if you want to get to a victory you're gonna have to go through some pain if you want to get to an upper room you're gonna have to go through some stuff if you want to be like jesus Yes, to be like Jesus, to be like Jesus, all through life's journey. I long to be like him until the pain comes, until the passion comes. But there are aspects of the Passion Week that we often overlook. We think of the things that happen publicly, the things that we focus on at Easter time. But there was a private suffering That happened in Jesus' life, a private endurance that he had to go through from unexpected places that we often forget about. These were not stripes on his back. These weren't thorns on his head. But these pains were just as real, just as damaging, just as hurtful. But they were inward pains that Jesus had to endure the week of the passion before he ever got to a resurrection. There are four of them, and I believe that the Lord has revealed to me that every child of God will have to endure these private passions before they can get to the resurrection, before they can get to the final suffering that takes them to the tomb. And from the tomb to a resurrection and from a resurrection to an upper room. You have to go through these things in life and every one of us will have to endure these things on our own at some point or another, in some way or another, similar to how Jesus had to go through it. And I want to share them with you briefly. And I believe if you'll open up your heart, you will realize that your suffering is something that will draw you closer to Jesus. The very thing that you feel like is going to break you right now is the very thing that God is going to use to bring you to a resurrection. The very thing that you feel like is going to destroy you. God is going to use it to make you more and more like him. And so, number one, we find that at the very beginning of the passion, Jesus is betrayed by an unexpected person. He is betrayed by Judas. Judas, as you know, was one of his closest disciples. In fact, the Bible says that Judas was entrusted with the money. He was the keeper of the money. He was the one that was caring for their finances. And he walked closely with Jesus. He talked with Jesus. Judas saw the miracles. Judas saw the ministry. Judas heard the sermons. Judas was aware of The teachings of Jesus, he was no stranger to what God was doing. And we perhaps will never know what it was in Judas's heart and mind that caused him to betray Jesus. In fact, uh, in my mind, I believe that Judas probably thought in the beginning that he was doing something good. That's how the enemy will twist Our minds at times, the enemy will convince you when you're doing evil that you are actually doing good. And then you wake up one morning and you realize that you have 30 pieces of ill-gotten silver that you can do nothing with because it's blood money. And so Judas at some point decided that he was going to betray Jesus And in doing so, he literally betrayed God manifest in the flesh. Can you imagine being the person that literally turned your back on God manifest in the flesh? Judas was the one... Who set in motion the events that would lead to the crucifixion and the stripes and the crown of thorns. It didn't happen from a Sadducee. It didn't come from a Pharisee. It didn't come from Pilate. It didn't come from Rome. No. It came from someone who walked and talked with Jesus. It came from someone who sat down to supper with Jesus. It came to someone who told Jesus that he loved him. It came from someone who told Jesus you can trust trust me it came from someone who acted as if he had jesus's well-being at heart and so my friend i came to preach to somebody tonight if jesus would have to have a judas in his life who are you to think you're not going to have to endure the betrayal of the brethren or the betrayal of a sister someone who is close to you someone who told you they loved you someone who told you they had your best interest at heart And now you wonder how could this ever be happening. But my friend, I'm telling you what's going on. You are going through a suffering that is taking you to a resurrection. You are becoming more and more like Jesus. Because you can't know what it means to be like Jesus until you know what it means to suffer through a Judas. You can't know what it means to walk in the shoes of Jesus until you have had someone turn their back on you that you love and that trusted you. You're going to have to walk through the betrayal. Of someone very close. Maybe more than one. And Jesus endured this. With grace and dignity. In fact. After this moment we find the second. Suffering that Jesus went through in the Passion Week. That was not. Stripes on his back or thorns on his head, but it was an internal suffering. The Bible says that after the Last Supper, Jesus went out into the Garden of Gethsemane. He took his closest disciples with him, the ones that he trusted to be spiritual, the ones that he could count on to pray. The prayer warriors, the worshipers, the shouters, the tithers, the ones that Jesus really leaned on. They were the closest of the close in his inner circle. And in this moment of betrayal where he had just been betrayed by one of his closest friends and followers, he walks into the garden needing brethren to pray with him, needing people who were spiritually inclined, who loved him to gather around him and join him in prayer, to join him in bombarding heaven With spiritual things and as he goes into the garden, the Bible says he began to pray with a heaviness. Jesus began to pray with a heaviness that was so great that he began to cry as it were drops of blood. It looked as if he was crying and sweating great drops of blood. That was the intensity of his prayer. That was the intensity of his inward pain. The turmoil that he was feeling was just as powerful as any whip that went on his back, any thorn that stuck in his brow. His pain was so great that he was crying out, Father, take this cup from me. Lord, if it be your will, take this cup of suffering out of my hand. I'm preaching to somebody tonight. You can sit there and pretend like I'm not. But somebody needs to recognize that there is a passion that you're going to have to go through to be like Jesus. You're not strange. You're not abnormal. You're not out of the will of God. You're just being formed into his image. And you've got to get through some stuff to get to a resurrection. And as he prayed with that intensity, he looked over to those that were supposed to be his brothers, those that were supposed to be the church members, the ones that he should have been able to lean on just as he was about to climb Golgotha's hill. And he looked at them and they were sound asleep. Nowhere to be found. No prayer warrior would lift up his hand. There was no Joshua. There was no Caleb to lift up his hands in battle. He was completely by himself crying out in agony. Somebody knows what I'm preaching about tonight because you're living it right now. You need to know that there are going to be moments in your walk with God where there will not be a brother. There will not be a sister. There will not be a choir. There will not be a praise leader. There is not going to be anybody who will get up out of bed and worship with you until the victory comes there's gonna be church services on a sunday night where you walk in desperate for god and everybody else is sitting down like nothing is going on at all and on the inside you're bleeding and bruised and dying but i want you to know it doesn't matter what the dead folks do there's a resurrection coming Oh, and I'm going to preach to somebody in this church. God forbid you would let somebody be agonizing in the Garden of Gethsemane while you fall asleep in the house of God. It's time for the church to wake up and pray. Some of you would not even see suffering if it hit you in the face unless it's yours. selfishness that grips the church. I can preach to you this way because if Peter and James and John were here in the Garden of Gethsemane, I'd preach to them the exact same way. Because you're not better than Peter, James, or John. There's a suffering that will come. And I'm preaching to somebody. You're going to go through it alone. I know you don't like that. But everybody else is going to be doing something else. They're going to be busy. They're going to be sleeping. They're going to be carnal. They're going to be unaware. But God is perfecting you. You're walking through a passion that is taking you to a resurrection. I know it hurts. And I know you can get bitter at the church when that happens because we think that if somebody hurts us in the church, then we take it out on God. But you need to understand that even Jesus was hurt by the church. Nobody was hurt by the church more than Jesus. He endured it. He looked over and Jesus literally had to plead with them. Can you imagine Jesus having to plead? I can because I've had to do it. Can you imagine Jesus having to say, would y'all just pray for a little while? You know, that's what our pastor has to do in church. Would y'all just worship for a little while? You know what that is? That's someone being in the garden of Gethsemane and everybody sound asleep. It's prayer time. Can we just pray a little while longer? I'd like to, pastor, but I worked all day. I'd like to, pastor, but I'm tired. I'd like to, but I've got other things to do. Asleep in the Garden of Gethsemane. And yet there will be one person there who desperately needs to pray until they get an answer from God. They have a cup of suffering that they're trying to get rid of, but they know they're not going to be able to get rid of it because it's the will of God for them to drink the cup of sorrows. And so they're crying out and they're looking for a brother and they're looking for a sister. And I'm preaching to that person right now, they will not be found. But when you come up out of it, On the other side, you're going to have a resurrection story. You're going to have a shout. And it's not going to be because of what your brother did. And it won't be because your sister had more faith than you. It will be because you endured to the end. It will be because you've had faith even when you didn't feel good. You had faith even when it hurt. You had faith even when the tears wouldn't stop falling. It's a private passion. Before the passion. Third. Jesus had to endure. The shame. And the indignity. Of false accusation. Now I can tell you. That there is a certain righteous indignation that comes. When you have lived your life. Above reproach. And you have sacrificed your life for the good of others. And then you are accused unjustly. Treated unjustly. Talked about unjustly. Lied about unfairly. There's a certain bitterness that can creep in when that happens. Because in our human flesh we think, well, why did I bother to try to live above the fray? If I'm still going to have to endure what Barabbas has to endure. That's our flesh. But Jesus refused to allow that bitterness to creep in. The Bible says that he was led like a lamb to the slaughter. They argued with him. They lied about him. They tried to draw him into his own defense. But Jesus would not Defend himself. And many people... Uh, of course know that it's because he was fulfilling prophecy and he was fulfilling scripture and others say that it would have done no good and some people say that he did not defend himself because he knew that it was the will of God for him to go to Calvary all of that is true but I also believe with all of my heart that Jesus knew that it was beneath his own dignity to try to defend his own righteousness to ungodly and unrighteous people Jesus in his own spirit, looked at Pilate. He looked at the Sanhedrin. He looked at the Pharisees as they lied to his face and he said, I will not give a response. In his spirit he said, I do not have to answer to these unrighteous and ungodly people because I know who I am. I'm God manifest in the flesh. I am the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. And Pilate, you can't tell me what to say. And Sanhedrin you can't tell me what to do and Pharisee I don't have to speak to you because I know who I am and I'm preaching to somebody you've been lied about you've been gossiped about you've been mistreated people have talked about you and accused you of things that are not true and you are becoming more and more like Jesus let me tell you what to do stand still and let the Lord fight your battle stand still and see the salvation of the Lord because you're going through a suffering so you can get to a resurrection you're going through a trial so you can get to a triumph but it's going to take some pain I know I know I know it's Easter we want to hear about the resurrection but you cannot get to a resurrection without a passion everybody wants a resurrection I can feel the presence of the Lord. And I'm going to get my blessing right now. I can feel. That's the song we want to sing. But you're never going to get there. Mm -mm. Until you go through a passion. And finally, among many other things, just as Jesus was unjustly accused by the unjust. He walks out with his accusers surrounding him and he sees Simon Peter denying him three times. Not only could his prayer warriors not pray with him, couldn't even stand beside him in times of hardship. Not only could they not endure with him but they couldn't even be associated with him because he was no longer the prophet that everybody loved. The miracles weren't flowing like they used to. It wasn't Bread and fish being multiplied. It wasn't lame men leaping. It wasn't blind men running with joy because they'd received their sight. It wasn't a leper running back with gratitude. No. It was their Lord and Savior in chains being led towards Galgotha's hill. And suddenly Peter, who said, I'll never deny. Turned his back on Jesus not once, not twice, but three times. And where are the other disciples? You study the Gospels. We know that John was there. We know that Mary was there. But where was everybody in the hardship? Where was everyone in the pain? They were nowhere to be found. They were hiding. They were afraid. They were discouraged. Even though he had told them, Listen to me. Jesus told them there's going to be a resurrection. But all they could see were the whips and the thorns and the crosses. And they felt as if it was finished, it was over. That's where somebody is tonight. Stand with me as the musicians come. Somebody here is enduring a private passion. There's no whips. There's no outward marks that people can see. You're not bleeding. There's no spear in your side. There's no blood and water flowing. Because if there was, everyone would run to help you. If, if you had a heart attack right now, everyone would rush you to the hospital. People would care. But that inward passion, that inward suffering that can only be found in the worst of times. You suffer through it silently with no one even really knowing. It's something that only you can go through privately. No one can go through it for you. No one can even really do it with you. It's something that you have to do on your own. And as you do, you come out on the other side. And you are transformed and transfigured into the image of Christ himself. When Jesus came out of the tomb and he stepped before those people, he said, don't touch me because my glory is being completed. You need to understand that when you come up out of that tomb of suffering, there's going to be a Shekinah glory. There's going to be an anointing. There's going to be a power. There is going to be a strength that can only be found in suffering. There is going to be a power that will only be produced by pain but you've got to endure it to the end and if you will go through this trial listen to me sister if you will get through this trial you are going to walk out of that tomb and you are going to be like Jesus you're going to be like the Lord you are going to have a newness of life that only the fire that only the fire can produce. Listen to this preacher. You've heard this preached, but gold is one of the most precious metals in all the world, but it's pretty much valueless until it's been touched by fire and the impurities have been burned out. And even then, its real value only comes when a master sculptor takes that piece of pure gold and touches it with fire again and sculpts it into an image that's beautiful and then its true value and beauty is revealed. There are some things in your life that have to be burned out with fire. There are some beauties that can only be revealed in your spirit through the shaping and molding of fire and a master sculptor As he conforms you into his own image, the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. I know there might be a few people here tonight who don't have any problems in the world. You're in the best place you've ever been in your entire life. But I've been preaching to a few people who need to come to this altar and say, Lord, I'm going to go through this because I believe a resurrection is coming. I wish that I could preach to you and tell you that your resurrection is right now. That's not what I feel in the Holy Ghost. There'll be a day when I feel to preach that. Your resurrection may not be tonight. But the Lord is looking for someone going through a trial to come and say, Lord, I believe that I will endure this pain because my resurrection is coming. It might take seven days. It might take three days. But I know it's coming. You ought to come to this altar and say, Lord, I'm standing with you until it's over. I'm standing with you until you bring me out of the tomb. If you don't have any problems at all, why don't you just pray for those that are coming right now. Just stretch out your hands. That's okay. I know this sermon wasn't for everybody, but somebody needs to come and say, Lord, I'm going to endure to the end because I'm being perfected. Mama can't do it for me. Daddy can't do it for me. My brother can't make this better. I've got to go through this. I've got to endure this. It's hard. I don't like it. It's painful. But I'm going to be resurrected. I'm going to make it to the other side. Hallelujah, Jesus. Does he still feel the nail every time I fall? Can he hear the crowd cry, crucified again? Am I calm? time I fall. can he hear the crowd cry crucify again we're in the garden of gethsemane right now there's some people praying right now lord take this cup from me and i'm asking peter james and john to wake up and pray for them right now would you do that prayer warrior could you wake up long enough to pray someone is crying tears some people are afraid to express their emotion right now because they're afraid the rest of you might judge them i need some prayer warriors to help them pray right now and let them know that it's okay to cry out in the garden i need a prayer warrior who can just wake up long enough and say we're going to pray with you we're going to pray with you we know there's a cup of suffering we know there's a cup of pain And we may not understand everything you're going through. We may not understand everything that's about to happen, but I'm gonna pray with you. Come on, Peter. Come on, James. Come on, John. Would you just pray in the garden a little while longer? Just a little while longer. There's a betrayal coming. There's some things that are about to happen in some people's lives. They sense it's coming, and they need you to pray with them tonight. We're bumping against complacency right now. I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. We're bumping against apathy right now. I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. Give us compassion, Lord. Give us compassion for those that are suffering. (laughs) Come on, prayer warrior, wake up, wake up, wake up prayer, up, prayer warrior. Where are you at, prayer warrior? Where are you? Peter, have you fallen asleep again or are you going to pray with me? John, you're the disciple who loves me. Can't you just pray for a little while? James, where are you? Just asking for a few minutes, then I know I've got